I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Howdy, folks. We're having a good day today, and let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must let you know that I am not a doctor or psychiatrist, and if you think your child, boy or girl, needs to be diagnosed with autism, I am not the guy to go to. I'm just doing this based on my experiences. But if you want to know whether to diagnose your child with autism or not, you need to see a doctor, and they can do it to the best of their ability, and they can be the right ones and give you the accurate information. So I just want to let everyone know that I am not a doctor. Do not ask me if you need to be diagnosed with it. Your doctor is the one to give you that answer. Now, I do have a shout-out today I would like to give to a woman named Miss Amara Grandevelt. And if I said your last name wrong, I apologize, but I at least got your first name right. But anyway, Amara Grandevelt is one of the is in the Caribbean, and she actually likes my podcast on Facebook. And I cannot wait to meet her in, in person when we Zoom and she will probably be one of the nicest people we ever met. She has a 10-year-old daughter and is a fine young woman and is living her life. And I cannot wait to meet her. And we can I cannot wait to become friends with her and meet her for the very first time in forever. Also, today, I have a birthday wish to get. Today is my grandma, who I mentioned in my previous episode. It's her birthday today. And Grandma Alice, I also want to wish you a very happy birthday. She is 81 years old and has longevity in the family, so I think she'll live a long time. <laughs> Sorry if that's offensive, but anyway, Grandma Alice is a very sweet lady, and like I said, you you'd, you expect to see what you see in her, but she is a wonderful lady, and I hope you have the best birthday alive, and I hope it beats all the other 80 birthdays you've had before. Now, as far as the podcast part goes, we have a brand new topic today, so let's get into it. So, for this episode today, I've decided to talk about Scooby-Doo, because Scooby-Doo, it's a classic, it's classy, it, it has all the things you need of horror, comedy, and to me, Scooby-Doo is a way of how we think. The way we act, just as like Scooby-Doo and his friends would act. The way we think is like Scooby-Doo and his friends would think. I mean, we all are like Scooby-Doo, except it's just one, not five. We're not the gang. We're our only gang. Now, as far as the definition goes for Scooby-Doo, it is an American cartoon franchise that has been an icon for 51 years. And that is a long time. Think about it. For 51 years. I mean, if you do the math, it's been an icon for... For a long time, and at least been into a century or a decade. I mean, Scooby-Doo has lived with us for the rest of our lives, and may and may never die. And I'm sad, and I'll be sad to say, and I'll be sad to see when I die, and Scooby-Doo's still living. I mean, that's one thing I don't like. Scooby-Doo's gonna live forever, or at least for a while. But anyway, Scooby-Doo is gonna live. It won't stop living, and Scooby-Doo is gonna stay with us, and will make children cry and will beat every other show that you have and Scooby-Doo is going to stay no matter no matter what's popular to this day. I think the reason being why I like Scooby-Doo is because at first I did not understand it and the show did not comprehend with me. And when you have autism and you're young, Scooby-Doo is not going to connect with anyone who is a young autistic person because they're going to be like, huh? Wait, they were just here. They were just there. Why are they moving now? Like, what's going on here? That will be confusing to them and that's going to be very confusing to them and they won't get why they're moving from one place to another because that's how our brain operates. We don't like people staying from one place to another. We'd rather stay one place to one place and just keep it that way. But when I was bored a while back ago, I bought Scooby-Doo when I was older and a tween in the tween years. Then when I watched it from a tween's perspective, the show made more sense and the show to me was more logical. And now that I'm a tween and a seven, almost 17, I see why they move to different places and now... I get how they solve the mysteries. And to me, when I watch it, Scooby-Doo is like a theoretical escape room because it's like an escape room that you do with puzzles and all that stuff, but you're watching it instead of doing it. And with Scooby-Doo as well, 
when you don't understand something and then you change your mind, that's awesome because when I didn't get it, I always like think of the evolution of Scooby Doo from or in my brain of the brain of Scooby from not getting it to like an Oh my god, this makes so much sense now. Whoa! I think the brain went abracadabra with a snap of its fingers and now it makes more sense and it's a great show. I think the show could beat the it's gonna be the show of the ages, man. It can't beat anything. It can't beat Tom and Jerry. It can't beat Porky Pig. It can't beat Looney Tunes. It can't beat Tom and Jerry. It can't beat Impractical Juggers. It can't beat Chopped. It can't beat any show that you put onto it. Scooby-Doo, in my perspective, could win against most of the shows of, in the world. I think, to me, this connects with autism because I'm a 17-year-old teenager who likes rock and roll music and still does adult things in the world and still like brushes my teeth like an adult and puts on deodorant like an adult and eats like an adult. But yet, I am still a child at heart, and still, every once in a while, I will put on an episode of Scooby-Doo. And to me, that's fine, because like what you like, and when we do that, we're just doing what we want to do. We're being eccentric, and doing whatever the heck we darn well please. And when we watch an episode of Scooby-Doo, we're being the child's at heart, and that child of hearts ain't going to leave us for a long time. It may not leave us till we're 50 or 80, and when we're put on an episode, we feel like child, we feel like... We feel like five again, and we all feel, we all want to feel like a child again at some point in our lives. And my way of feeling like a child again is put on a good solving mystery episode of Scooby Doo. I feel like when I watch an episode of Scooby Doo, that I'm not just being a child at heart, I'm also being myself. Being myself is an act and living our life the way we wish to. But we gotta live our life the way we wish to within reason. And we have to be ourselves, and we can be ourselves, but. And you always got to remember to keep that respectfulness that you have in your heart in mind, no matter what it is. No matter if you want to do something dumb but or whatever, but you got to keep that respect alive. And, and being yourself means keeping that respect. And sometimes you got to sacrifice being yourself to keep that respect in line. So it goes res- respect, then be yourself. Don't put be yourself, then respect. Otherwise, you're going to get into some serious trouble as your life continues. When, and when I put on an episode of Scooby-Doo, I'm... I'm not being myself, and that's great, I think, because I think we have a unique trait in all of us that is sometimes similar, but also that we have a trait that makes us all different, because maybe we're all different. Have you ever thought of that? Because maybe we can all be different the way we choose. We all, maybe one of us is extremely funny, and the guy thinks he's funny, but he's not. I mean, we're all different. One guy's a joke, so one guy's serious. I mean, we're all different in some way. We may have similar traits, but we're each going to have one trait that makes us different from the rest of the world and from the rest of the people of our choosing and our people. Also, when I watch Scooby-Doo, I think it's kind of odd, but in a good way, because usually 17-year-olds my age and other people would pass that and would rather watch something like rated R movies or horror movies, but not me, because I am an avid Scooby-Doo fan and always will, because it is horror. I mean, it is a little horror. I mean, you got to give me that, but it's not rated R like Deadpool will be, because that is unique in my eyes, because, yes, I still do it, but yet I'm an avid Scooby-Doo fan who is willing maybe to be in the gang and maybe walk in the mystery machine and try to ride with them. And I may not be the smartest, but I'll probably fit in because I'm so nice and so cool and so respectful that they'll accept me like they accepted the other people in the gang. The final reason why I think I might like Scooby-Doo is, and it's kind of odd too, but in a good odd is I like Scooby-Doo because of the unique topic of mystery solving. Okay, I used to be scared of like mysteries and horror crap, but Scooby-Doo's made me change that. It made me change a light bulb and switch the lever and love Scooby-Doo because of all the crap that it does and all the mystery songs and all the clues, how they puzzle it together, just like our brain. 
And that's made me like other shows like Dateline and Forensic Files. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't want to live with it. It still gives me some anxiety, but it is a little interesting. I'm not afraid to put it on anymore because of because of partially of Scooby-Doo, but it's also because of another reason, which I'll get into some other time in the future. But anyway, that's another reason why I like Scooby-Doo is because it's made me change my views on crime shows, and we want to keep though, and why we keep them for a reason, because of all the, we need to learn what goes on in this world, and know that there are not some good people in this world, and teaches us that, that mystery solving is a way of life, and how forensics can be produced with Scooby-Doo, and how forensics are used in the real world as well. Now, before we begin to the basis of Scooby-Doo, and I talk to you more about it, I want you to stop this podcast and pause it, I want you to get go to the first website below, and I it is a little Scooby-Doo intro video, and this will tell you about the basis of Scooby-Doo and a little bit of the history and how Scooby-Doo became to became the greatest show of all time, or the greatest cartoon of all time too. Now, even though the video says the history, I don't think it tells you why people think respect it, because I think why people still at least respect Scooby-Doo is because of its changing and how it, it can exist now and how it can work still. So my eyes, and according to DiverseTechGeek.com, which I think you should look because it has some pretty cool articles. But anyway, in the late 1960s, times were changing in the television world. Parents were campaigning for less commercial programs and less violent shows that were not superhero cartoons that were excelling children's shows on Saturday mornings because every time that was going to be a non-violent show, it had to be something involving superhero, superheroes, 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 superheroes. And by the time, parents were just like, Oh my god, we've seen enough superheroes. Let's do something new. What's wrong with you people? So, and that time, it, it changed because the, it changed after the cancellation of the 1960s Batman, Adam West. And I highly recommend you should see an episode of that. I, I might do an episode on that in the future. Hint, hint, wink, wink. But anyway, because of that, in February 1968, they attempted to change and do the mission by debuting Mr. Rogers. And Mr. Rogers actually worked. And it was followed by the same year... The next year, it debuted Sesame Street, which also worked. And both of these shows were so educated and so popular that it led to non-educational shows such as Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry. And all those shows led to, get ready for it, dun-dun-dun, the debut of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And it was debuted on September 13, 1969 on CBS. This show became an immediate success, and the show ran every Saturday mornings, making a new era for kids' television shows there can be, in my eyes, there can never, ever, and I mean ever, be another another Scooby-Doo Where Are You series. Unless it was me, because I know the elements and I know the produce. But I can't tell you guys, because it's top secret. <laughs> and wink, wink, I'm never going to tell you, because it's just top secret. Just like the Krabby Patty formula. It's hit, it's hidden. <laughs> Why'd I do that? Oh, well. But anyway, it could still work, though, because in today's times, even though it is not the same as Scooby-Doo Where Are You, it could still work today. With all the elements that include kid-friendly mysteries, because I still want to see them solve a mystery and see how it can, they can make it different. Horror, like kid-friendly horror, not the horror that you see in Rain Army that goes boo. It's kind of like to go like booga booga booga, like that type of horror. And it's also involves teen and young adult nostalgia because when they were young, they probably want to rekindle some of their childhood memories that they saw when they watched Scooby Doo. Where are you? And of course, it involves classic comedy with different reboots of the show. So with all those perfect elements of a cartoon series, it could work still. And I don't understand why more people watch Scooby-Doo because of all, because it produces all the elements that you need to enjoy and watch a classic cartoon series. 
And what I like about this series as well is they are living in an average world. They don't live in a fancy mansion that you'd probably see a superhero live on. They live in a they live like the middle class citizens do, and I kind of like that. And I feel like they're just they're just being people and just enjoying stuff. And yes, there are superheroes, but they don't have superpowers. They don't have super speed. They don't have teleportation. They don't have super strength. No, 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 no. They do have a power, but it's not those superhero powers. They have they they're just average people who are heroes. And then instead of wearing capes, they don't need the capes. They're too good for that. They just don't wear capes. They're not the heroes you'd see. But instead of using the superpowers, like I said, they have the greatest power of all, and that is dun 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 knowledge because knowledge is going to get you through your head i mean if you don't have this brain of yours here and it ain't it ain't got some common sense in there and some knowledge in there you ain't gonna make it i mean good luck me if that's your brain and some knowledge or otherwise you ain't gonna make it to the wall the walmart at least and get to the cashier and try, can't figure out what two plus two is i mean you need not, at least maybe not like be the smartest person alive in a great education but at least you need a little bit of knowledge and knowledge will help you and they use knowledge and not a big old education, even though some of them probably will look like it or would probably want to get there. Now, in my eyes as well, Scooby does not teach us critical thinking skills. And it does do that, but it does teach you critical th thinking skills because you're thinking and thinking like, hmm, wonder who's doing this, like an escape room would do. And it's just being a theoretical escape room by teaching you critical thinking skills. And But it's also teaching mystery solving techniques and other stuff, but it's not also teaching that. It can also teach us many lessons. Some of the lessons it's definitely teaching us are acceptance. And what I mean by this is, Scooby-Doo, for example, he doesn't say boat. He has, the, he has a speech pen with the R word. Instead of saying boat, he'll go wrote. Okay, when he says wrote, they're not making fun. They're like, ha 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 ha, Scooby-Doo's saying wrote, ha 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 ha. No, they're not doing that. They're accepting him. They're accepting him for who he is. They're accepting that Fred's a genius. They're accepting that Velma's a genius. They're accepting Daphne is a like a person who would probably snap her fingers and be like, oh, no, you didn't. They're accepting that Shaggy loves food and his personality. They're accepting Scooby's speech pediment. I mean, they're accepting each other and just living each other's life and being normal, being typical friends and just having a great time with their different personalities. Another lesson that it's definitely teaching us is politenesses and manners because even though they're not in the best situation or the most creepiest situation of all, they're still saying please and thank you. I mean, I watched an episode and Velma said, we will and thank you. I mean, they still found time to figure out their politeness and manners. And they even call like this old rusty uh, old home that probably smells a lovely home. I mean, they're using their politeness and manners. They're saying please and thank you. They're probably saying, will you please pass the salt? They're being nice to each other. They're not making fun of each other. They're not going to do something mean. They're being polite. They're going to be like, after you. Or be like, please pass the salt. Please pass the black pepper. I mean, they're being polite. They're using their manners. They're using their table manners. Well, maybe not Shaggy and Scooby because they're going to probably eat like a bunch of pigs. Use your manners, Shaggy and Scooby. Come on now. Jeez, and you guys love food. Oh, well. You need to learn your manners, Shaggy and Scooby. But anyway, they're still using their politeness and manners. They're still accepting. Their politeness is by saying please and thank you. Their manners, please and thank you. I mean, they're using so the most manners in the world that they are more polite and using their manners much more than I do. And that's saying something when I, because I use my manners a lot, my politeness a lot. And they, teach, they probably are teaching me to be more polite and use my manners more often than I, always, than I usually do. And with the place of manners, you know, they're not doing that. They're just, they're being nice to each other. They're they're having a great time. Their politeness and manners, they're still using it because they were raised by great parents. And they may not like the parents, but they were probably polite to their parents, like I am most of the time. But they probably had, like, arguments, but they still argue polite, which I'm working on. But they still had some manners, which I need to use more often. But 
to my parents more often. Another lesson that Scooby and Shaggy are teaching us and the gang is teaching us is bravery and courage because they're facing monsters that will probably leave you trauma and make us scream and lose our voice and or maybe, maybe make us poop and pee our pants. I mean, there's so many things that this monster could do to us, but yet they're solving it and they're not scared of it. They're staying up going, all right, come on, let's go. I mean, they're, they're being brave. They're putting their big boy pants on. They're having their chest buff. I mean, they're scared. But they're not too scared to face off and face their fears. And when they're and when anyone's being bait, they're still scared, but yet they're they're bravery, they're taking deep breaths, and they're gonna fight it like the like the man would and like themselves would and fight to the best of their ability without their superpowers and their with the, instead with their knowledge and their capability of trap building and outsmarting the monster. And instead of using the, using fear as an excuse, they're using fear to their advantage. Which I feel like also people need to work on more because we like to use fear as an excuse. We're like, nope, uh, uh, we're too scared. No way, Jose, good luck. But instead, we need to instead use fear and be like, <sighs> like take our deep breaths and face our fears and do it to our best ability. That way we can live life better and that way we can have a bigger bubble open instead of a closed bubble. Something else that Scooby-Doo is definitely teaching us is, I like to call it DTS, and it's not DTA. In case you don't, don't know, DTA stands for don't trust anybody, but that's not them because they can trust their friends. It's DTS, and I call it do not trust strangers completely because we know in Scooby-Doo, one of those strangers that they just met is a liar and is trying to use them to get to, the, get, to get to their motive and their reason of stealing something or making a profit of something. I mean... They're, they're lying. They're being liars. You can't trust strangers 100%. Or otherwise, if they did, they would have been manipulated and never solved the mystery. So they didn't trust that. If they trusted that stranger completely, it would be gone. I mean, yes, they're still accepting them. Yes, they're using their politeness and their manners towards them and pretending that they're being plain old dumb. But they're not trusting them 100%. You could tell that. They are instead being nice and pretending to trust them. So that way they can think of, okay, and use the character... And not trusting them 100%, they could use against them, and they're smart to realize that, okay, this person is a culprit, we never should trust him, but they're not trusting them because everyone who they meet is a, is a suspect, and they're not going to trust anyone 100%, 100% until they know who did it and who's under that mask. The next lesson that they could teach us is kind of cool in my eyes. It's, we can't see what is right in front of us, and this is, to me, paying more attention because I don't pay attention a lot, and I bump and make a lot of very clumsy person. I need to work on that, but we can't see right, right in front of us. I mean, when they're talking to they're like, oh my god, he's so nice. Oh, he's not the culprit. Whatever. But yet, you're like, and the and the, let's see who this man really is. Open the mask. <gasps> it's that guy who he's trusting. Oh my goodness. I mean, they're they're trusting him. They don't trust the strangers, but we can't see what's right in front of us, and they yet they thought, oh my god, he's not. But yet, I basically mean second-guessing yourself, and they're like, what? And they didn't, they didn't see that. They saw right in front of them that, that he was the culprit, yet they didn't see it. So, I mean, what was there right in front of them is what they trusted, and they didn't see it 100%. So, what you got to do is pay more attention, and we need to see more what is right in front of us. And the way we need to do that is, I think, paying more attention, which I will work on. And I think every autistic person can work on with determination and perseverance, and they can do it. And they will be able to do it one day. And just like me, I'll be able to do it one day. I mean, the next lesson is kind of obvious that they could teach us, and they could teach us friendship. C-104, making friends and getting the girl for more information. But the, Scooby teaches us friendships. I mean, when they're not mystery-solving, and that's all their habits, except Shaggy and Scooby, which I was saying to do it with for the food and just just to be nice. But anyway, they all had something to offer, and the friends part, they all 
were friends. I mean, even though that they were maybe disagreed on mystery solving, when they were done, yet they were still all friends. They still loved each other like friends. They all still looked out for each other. I mean, those five people love each other, and that's those are the only five people they'd be around. They couldn't imagine anyone else. I mean, that's what you see in Scooby-Doo is what you see true friendships going on and true love and maybe even true friends that will never be broken and will never, never argue if that was the case. I don't think that is the case. I bet they do argue sometimes. But anyway, they're true friends, and they will never change, and they will never back someone, and they will never lose anyone for someone else because they love each other too much as friends and as people. Another lesson that you may not have thought of is everyone in the group has something to offer. I mean, if you think about it, they all do. I mean, Fred, he's a leader. He's vigilant. He has his vigilance to offer, and he's also very trap deficiency. He loves his traps. I mean, he has some that to offer in the group. Daphne, she has her beauty and her hair and her thinking style and her personality to offer. I mean, she has a lot to offer. Velma has her smart to offer, her bookness, her life of value, her life of knowledge, wanting to learn more, wanting to learn until she's the second Albert Einstein. She has that to offer. Shaggy and Scooby, they have their bait to offer and their jokes to offer. I mean, that's why I love them so much because they're kids, basically. They have their childishness to offer. They have everything. I mean, each group has something to offer, and that's why I think it kind of works so well. I mean, if I was in a group with five people... We all have some offer. I mean, I have my nicest offer. This person might have their personality offer. This person might have their smartness offer. This person might have their goofiness offer. I mean, they each have something new to offer that can all work together if it's the right combination. Another lesson that Scooby-Doo can definitely offer is helping using resources. And each this helps because everyone in the group was willing to help the person solve the mystery. I mean, they're helping people. They're great people. They like to help people and change the world by changing the world by solving mysteries and helping someone. And they even use resources. I mean, they use resources. They use the mystery machine. They use each other. They use each other's knowledge. They use a paper. They use a wristwatch. They use anything to figure out to solve that mystery. They were using the resource because they knew they couldn't do it alone. Even with all that knowledge that they have, they had to use resources in order to use their knowledge so that way they could solve the mystery. I mean, they each had resources and they used them to the best of their ability and use them in, a, in all good ways, and they never used it the wrong way, and they used it with greatness, and they knew if they use it, it would lead them to great in the end. The final lesson that Scooby-Doo can definitely teach us is we need our Scooby Snacks, and I'll explain it, and I'll explain Scooby Snacks more later, but Scooby Snacks was like a little treat, and they, they use it in both different ways. I mean, you could use it the reward way. The reward way is, if they the bribery way also, is it teaches us that when... They were being bribed with the Scooby Snacks. They were doing good. If they did the bait, they would be rewarded. I mean, if they and eat a Scooby Snack. I mean, we need our Scooby Snacks, and we need our rewards, too. I mean, we do something good. We want a snack. We want a biscuits and gravy. We want chicken wings. We want mac and cheese. I mean, we want different knowledge. Or it could be we want to, to play with you. We want to go hit the ball. We want to eat ice cream. We want to eat ice cream Sunday. I mean, we would want, rather do it. Instead of um, Scooby Snacks, as our word, we rather use something else. And if I can make it, I would use Sunday Snacks. Man, that's a good idea. I'm gonna invent. I'm gonna invent that. Leave the thumbs up if I should invent that Sunday Snacks. Or it could also be used the life value way because Scooby Snacks. That's the way of their life. That's where. That's what they use a lot. That's part of their life. I mean, part of my life is my mother, my family, and friends. And part of my life is BJ Yoho. I mean, they are part of my life. That's my reward. I mean, in the life value way, Scooby Snacks was their life reward podcasting also that's my life value i mean it's all co connected i mean if scooby-doo has to have scooby snacks 
then I'm going to have to use my podcasting for my life value and the life value way. Now, before we get into a real Scooby Talk, we got to do some stuff. We got to take care of some business. So let's sing it again, obviously. Here we go. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business. All right, so what we need to do at first is definitely explain the main characters of Scooby-Doo. So Fred Jones. Fred Jones is the leader of Mystery Incorporated, or the leader of the gang, and a level-headed and a brave one, a soul that you see. You see him like a Hercules movie. He's a brain with a bit, though, of dorkiness. I mean, he's a bit of a dork, if you ask me. An example would be, um, what's new, Scooby-Doo? He said, no, I'm stuck. I'm good. I had an energy bar. Pretty stuff. All right, that's pretty dorky, Fred. I hate to tell you, but he's but you're a good leader. I mean, you expect to see with the leader, Hercules, like, but yet you get a dorky, like, type ordeal. So maybe don't judge a book by its cover because you did, You don't judge Fred by what you saw. I said, I saw, I thought first we had a strong Hercules dude. They say he's like this dorky type of deal who would rather do a word search or like a trap and build a trap and catch him in like mysteries. The next main character of Scooby-Doo is Daphne Blake. She is an attractive teenager who most people think is attractive, but I don't. But anyway, she uh, solved her problems eccentrically as time went on. But as time went on, she became more confident and played more actively in the mysteries. And to me, this kind of reminds me of me actually because autistic people, they change personalities as they get older. And people with autism are often looked at as eccentric or weird. And eccentric, though, in my eyes, means doing what you wish. But that's not the case. I mean, eccentric does not mean weird. To me, eccentric means do what we wish. Okay, I'm the type of guy who doesn't care about the popularity, who's not going to wear the glasses you wish, who's not going to wear the clothes that's going to follow. I'm going to wear what I want. I'm going to wear jeans if I want to. I'm going to wear flippers if I want to. Actually, hopefully I don't wear flippers or flip-flops because that'd be pretty stupid of me. And I'll think I will unless I'm going on a vacation on a beach but anyway that's what eccentric means we'd rather do what we wish and not care about the popular things that these other people do and instead rather be doing what we wish and what we fall and have our own separate category and do what we want and do the separate things of our choosing next is velma dinkley she is a beautiful bookworm in my eyes who is fascinated with mysteries she is sharp-witted at times very sarcastic this reminds me because C-102, honesty versus bluntness for more. But if we're sarcastic and like Velma sarcastic, and that gets into trouble, I mean, sometimes we autistic ones want to smart off and say something very sarcastic at the moment. But if we do, we might, oh, shoot, we just got in trouble. And instead, I'm like, okay, how am I going to bail us out? And we don't want to do that. But at times, we want to keep that sarcastic trait because we do like being sarcastic. And it's kind of fun to not smart off in a dorky and jokey kind of way. But if we say it at the wrong time, We'll get in trouble, and we got to be careful with that. And she's also the smartest in the group. Velma is, and she's smart by knowing Morse code, by doing that, by doing SOS, like... I think that's SOS. I'll have to look that up at some, at some point, but I think what she does is, and knows Morse code, she knows SOS, or some other Morse code crap, and I wish I knew that, but she's the smartest in the group, and very sarcastic, and I wish sometimes I could be her, because I think I'm Velma Dinkley, except a male Velma. The next character is Shaggy Rogers. He is a hippie dude, do, do, and he has a laid-back personality, and his fashion sense is awful, and his habits, he likes the word, use the word like, his speech, like, like when he says, like, like, we're going to, like, the cemetery? We're going to the, like, the c- 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 cemetery? Oh, no, like, this is going to be a bad, like, ordeal. And I know Miss Barley would hate Shaggy Rogers for that, but anyway, he uses liking his speech and a lot. And he also uses the word, Soinks! Because of when he's scared and we're surprised. 
And when he does use that, he's mainly, like, scared or surprised, like I said earlier. And he has an extreme appetite as well, and a tendency of goofing off. And Shai also reminds me of me, because sometimes, when autistic people think, they look like they're goofing off, but they're not. They're maybe trying to figure out something out, and just using their brain and their critical thinking skills. Or, maybe they're trying to make light of the situation. I mean, we're jokesters. We want to try to make you guys pause. We want to make you feel better. We want to make sure that we're loyal to you and make you feel better and make you happy. So maybe the best way to do it is maybe we want to, like, not goof off, but, like, make light of it. Make a little joke just to make you at least the smallest bit of happy and to make you smile. And to make you say cheese, maybe, even. The final main character is the, our always favorite, Scooby-Doo! He is a talking Great Dane who is Shaggy's best friend. They are sim they share similar traits, such as hunger and refusing to help others, unless they're with Scooby Snacks. I mean, that's all it is, basically. I mean, Scooby-Doo's a talking Great Dane. I mean... What else do you need to hear? That's pretty much a pretty good attraction to me in my eyes. I want to hear Talking Great Dane even if he, if he existed in a show or even if he exists in the real world, which I hope to one day we find a way to make our dogs talk because I want to hear what my dogs, Lena Phoenix, think of me one day. Now, the next step to take care of is we got to explain Scooby Snacks, man. So Scooby Snacks are a small brown biscuit or a brown wafer. It is mainly used when Shaggy and Scooby-Doo are being bribed for as bait or a trap because I don't know why they bride them with Scooby Snacks. I don't know why they kept choosing them as bait because I just because they're the most vulnerable, the most pathetic, or they're not the sharpest with the traps. I mean, I don't know why, but that's what they bride them with with Scooby Snacks. And it's kind of like us too because we autistic ones always take bait sometimes. I mean, just like Scooby Snacks, we were bride with we were bride with Scooby Snacks, but we're bride with being manipulated with it, and we we want friends sometimes. We do whatever it takes, and we will take the bait no matter what it takes. But but sometimes our issue is sometimes we go too overboard and make people uncomfortable that we lose them and we still do no matter what it takes but in the end we lose the battle and we lost ourselves even a little bit and don't know what to do and just go in the corner and just sadly wrap our robe in like the boxers and just box like fake box and just don't know what to do and just lay down and pray for the best of making the situation right. And thankfully, in the end, when we're done with it, I mean, it all comes crap. It all comes fine, like Scooby did after that moment's over. Like us, after he gets bribed and chasing the monster and all that monster's trapped, he's fine. I mean, we're fine, just like us. I mean, after the bait's done, we'll be fine, just like Scooby and Shaggy will be fine. I mean, just give us time if we take the bait and just understand that sometimes bait doesn't work out too well, whether it's good bait or bad bait. Another thing we gotta explain is the mystery machine. The Mystery Machine is the main transportation of Mystery Incorporated, or the gang, which was, it was like a 1960s panel van, and yet they never changed it. They may have changed the colors and the backgrounds, but I always remember the classic good old Mystery Machine. I love the Mystery Machine, and I wish I could own that van and just make it my own and make it the, called the Mystery. I'm going to name it the Rock and Roll Machine, and maybe instead I'll stick out guitars and I'll sit out and play the electric guitar and be playing Guitar Hero too. Now... In Scooby-Doo, there's also always going to be a villain. The villain is typically a man behind a mask. But due to them being the mask for most of the, most of the show, being in the mask for the show, they, that's what they're remembered by the villain name. They're not going to be remembered by Eric... No, let me think of a name here. Okay, got one. Not going to be named by John Rocher. They're not going to be named that. They'll probably be remembered by their monster name, such as Buttman. If that was a villain, I'd be on the floor laughing. But anyway, that's what they're going to be remembered. They're going to be remembered by the Buttman instead of Josh Rodin. Because instead, that's what his, that's who was a prime character or a main char uh, side character. Instead, the, the main villain, who we remember by for some odd reason, we name him by villains, he's remembered by the Butt Man. So he, instead, if your name's the Butt Man, 
that's the villain, you're screwed, basically, because that's your villain name, and you're to be able to probably be made fun with that for a lot. And I might even laugh at you myself for myself for a little bit. And typically, as well, the villains, they're really either ghosts or haunted creatures. I mean, you're not going to see uh, a typical cop as a villain. No, no, no. You're going to see, like, a ghost villain or a haunted cop or a haunted prisoner as a villain. I mean, you're not going to see a typical villain like you see, such as Gargamel. I mean, you're not going to see a typical villain like that. They're going to be either haunted or weird creatures that were made up in the episode. Now, also, to me, the villain in Scooby-Doo is like the people who bully autistic people because we autistic ones, we have sometimes trust issues, maybe due to a certain behavior that we once did, and that's like our like our name or our nickname or whatever, or a bully name or whatever, or a past of ours that's haunting us. And on the other hand, though, sometimes we do are just like trusting, but we're a little bit sometimes too trusting. And if we do that, that goes back to us wanting friends. I mean, that villain could be the friend that we trust, but yet he turns right around and backstabs us in the back, and we never knew we never knew what happened, or we didn't know what happened. I mean, it just depends on the situation. And that villain is our misinterpreted friend, and that will never happen, and should be unmasked with who he really is. Now, let's have some fun. What I'm going to do and spend the rest of this episode probably doing is I'm going to talk about, I'm going to grade each Scooby-Doo series. And when I do that, we're going to be like, I'm going to tell you like what it was, any extra information, then I'm going to tell you my thoughts, then I'm going to give it the grade that I think it deserves. Now, if you hear the Goofy Goober Bells from Spongebob, such as this one, then that means that we will stop grading and I will explain to you any new characters or objects that will either appear or either will come to you in in the series of that particular Scooby-Doo series. So let's start, shall we? So the first incarnation is Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? This is the first incarnation of Scooby-Doo on the Hanna-Barbera series. However, the basic concept was four teen- teenagers, Fred, Velma, Daphne, and Shaggy, and a talking great day named Scooby-Doo, solve supernatural mysteries. And in this one, there was no character development in the series, and because of that, we knew very little of the personal lives outside of solving mysteries. Also, each episode self-contained was self-contained, and the story didn't, like, change much. There was no, like, particular story. Like, it just kept staying to its original format. And the Scooby-Doo creators, Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, were the story supervisors. The plot varied little from episode to episode and never changed the format. The story was wrote like this. So the first part is, the game re- was returning from a typical teenage fun- teenager function, such as, like, writing or something, and it turns up, and they go in the mystery machine, but it's only for it to malfunction with either a flat tire, a broken engine, running out of gas, or something else that is a happen to your car. And then the and then they typically end up in a mostly vacated property, like a hotel, a ski lodge, or even like a house, or even a mansion, or many more. Look, you know what that really is? It's daily changes, and we have a hard time processing that that daily change just occur. I mean, we're enjoying. Next thing you know. Malfunctions. Alright. And we gotta stay at the hotel. That's a daily change. It just happened. And see 106 daily change for more on that. But that daily change just occurred. And we're having a little panic attack. Just like Scooby-Doo would. Or Shaggy and Scooby would mainly. But that's what happens. That is a daily change. And that's why I'm watching Scooby-Doo. To help my brain get through daily changes. Or the obstacles I have to hop over with daily changes. The second thing I typically had was their unintentional destination or their hotel or wherever, is dealing with ghost problems. And, of course, you know the mystery. They're going to be like, 
ooh, can we help? Like, children. And, of course, we're going to be like, uh-uh, we hate monsters. But they commit some somehow in some shape or form. And they aren't. And with that ghost problem, there are all many ghosts. I mean, it could be like a minor. It could be a ghost of a prison. It could be a ghost of a police station. It could be a ghost of an airport. It could be a ghost of a person. Or they could have a story. And they always tell the story of them. And what happened and how it happened. And then they help and they just do the next step. Which I'll get into here in a second. Actually, why wait for the next step? Let's just tell you right now. So the third step is mystery then splits up. Like I said, like with, cla- with classical frets. Alright gang, let's split up. And then they are with the intention of looking for clues. But it's usually Fred, Daphne, and Velma finding clues. And sometimes Daphne being a danger-prone Daphne and falling and finding danger unintentionally. But then Shaggy and Scooby, they usually find fun and the food because they love to eat. And you know their stomachs. And the ghost or the villain or a monster or whatever. And to me, this proves a lot because this shows to me autistic people's loyalty because... Scooby and Shaggy always found the monster, and they didn't want to split up, but yet the gang still stood together. They didn't let that obstacle pass them, just like we. We're not going to let obstacles pass. Autistic people and myself are loyal. We're not going to backstab you. We're going to make sure your life is better than ours, and we're going to take your knives, like I said, and put them in our backs and suffer your wrath and instead make you feel better and make us feel worse. I mean, that's just how we are. That's our hearts. That's every good-natured, hard autistic person, and to make you happy and to please you that you will you'll be fine and that instead of finding the monster you'll find we'll find the monster and that we can help you and take your wrath out of us and take our wrath in and take our wrath plus your wrath and make you feel better and make you feel make you live a great life and to make you have no worries now my thoughts i think it was good due to the legacy it has and and how like we talk about Scooby Doo you have to talk about Scooby Doo where are you and the prosperity of it and it can have, and I think it's just classical, and it's something good to do on your free time. Like, if you're bored, it's definitely something to do, definitely good to do on your free time. And it's like me, I mean, I have a legacy just like Scooby did in that case. His legacy was to solve mysteries and to help people. Okay, mine is I want to help people that deal with autism in some shape or form or any or other any other disorder daily by help making these podcasts. So my grade, it's a B, and it's my third favorite of the Scooby-Doo series. Now let's move on to the new Scooby-Doo movies. This is the second incarnation of Scooby-Doo, where they would follow the same format as Scooby-Doo Where Are You, but there would also be a special guest star who would help with the mystery. And some of those guests were Sandy Duncan, Sony and Cher, the three Goofy Stooges that you all know, and Batman and Robin. This series was also the first Scooby-Doo to use the full custom latch. I mean, you basically are ha-ha, but in this one you're ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-
Uh-oh. Well, that was a Goofy Goober Bell. You know what that means. We got to explain a brand new character. So this character i like to give you is to Scooby Dumb. Scooby Dumb is Scooby's dim-witted and country cousin who lives with Bob Paul Skillet and the showboat, and they appear in the episode of the Gator Ghoul, and he appeared in four episodes. He appeared in the Gator Ghoul episode. He appeared in the Headless Horseman episode. He appeared in Gramps the Vamp episode, and he also appeared in the Chiller Diller movie thriller with my, the Phantom Booth of Milo. And this one character I love, actually, because he's like me. He doesn't pay attention. He just goes with it. And he's stupid, but he's a good type of stupid. It's a funny type of stupid. But he's there's something about it you just love, and you just want to squeeze him and give him a big hug. I mean, Scooby Dumb's cool, and he's he's cool, man. I mean, I want I want him to come over one day if he existed. Now, the third and the next incarnation of Scooby-Doo is Scooby -Doo, the Scooby-Doo show and Scooby-Doo, where are you, the third season? Because by 1975, CBS was not airing Scooby-Doo reruns until Vice President Fred Silverman moved to ABC. This is according to Scoobypedia, by the way. But anyway, he ordered Scooby-Doo creators to air a new show, so they just decided to reincarnate Scooby-Doo. This is the third reincarnation of Scooby-Doo, like I said, and the show returned with the Scooby-Doo original format, just without the musical chases that you heard in the first one, or or guest stars that you heard about. And the episodes were, instead of 20 minutes, they were 23 minutes. Also in this one, Shag Shaggy and Scooby's cowardice was more shown, and being sure is more of the comic side, and like, oh, and you can laugh at it a little bit more when they did some kind of gags, or like visual gags that you saw. And furthermore, Velma's sarcasm was toned down, and she was less sarcastic than you saw in the first two of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? and the new Scooby-Doo movies. And this one means a lot to me because in this series, there are actually several parts um, that remind me of me and my friends. And there are so many in this part. But there are two notable ones I gotta say on here. The two most notable, the two most notable ones that I notice are the first one I like to call Big Mouth. Okay, Sam is Scooby. I'm Scooby. BJ is Shaggy. So Scooby turns the knob to open, which is me. And it slings him in the water and all the others. And Scooby and me would say, Ugh, me and my big mouth. And Shaggy, who is BJ, and BJ would probably say, yeah, you and you, your big mouth. And then the other one is jumping on Velma. Scooby and Shaggy, or BJ and Sam, me and BJ, and we see the monster who's mistaken for a van. Well, the thing we do is we jump. We're like, ah! And jump on um, Velma in her hands. But I think Velma's Alyssa. I think we do that. We jump in Alyssa's hands. So, Alyssa, don't get the wrong idea. I'm sorry if you get the wrong idea. But anyway, we jump on your hands, and you'd be, like, kind of frustrated with us. And she calms us down, but then she'll throw us on the floor, or butt first. She'd throw us on the floor, butt first, and just give us an evil grin. My thoughts for this one is pretty good, actually, because this is probably my second favorite, because it just reminds me of my friends, and, and due to some of the most representing me and my friends. So, this show is actually part of me in some weird and unique way. So, my grade is an A-, minus actually. So, this is my second favorite. Now, the next series will be... Oh, never mind. Looks like we gotta explain a character here. So this character, I like to explain to you, is called his name is Scrappy Doo. Scrappy Doo is a puppy and Scooby's nephew, and he idolizes Scooby and he helps him in solving mysteries. Scrappy actually is the type of guy he's who's obviously he's like, Alright, come on, let me at him, let me at him. But Scooby, of course, always had to pull him back, and his catchphrase was always da da da, -da Puppy Power. Alright, so now we explain that character. Let's get into the next series. So the next one is Scoopy and Sc Scoopy. Oh my god, Scoopy. 
Might as well say Snoopy next time. I mean, Snoopy. Oh, all right. I'm just going to stop because I can't. Oh, well. Let's let's try this again. Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, the first chase. This is the fourth A incarnation of Scooby-Doo. And when Scappy... Scappy? Scrampy? I mean, oh, God. Okay, when Scrappy-Doo came in, it was a simple and a hard introduction, like I said earlier, because it was so simple yet so complicated because of how different he was compared to Scooby. Scooby. I cannot say Scooby anymore. Oh, well. Scrappy wanted to fight, but Scooby was like, no, let's push you back. And this reminds me because we need to be pushed back, sons. We want to be, we want to be scrappy like, all right, come on. Let me at him. Let me at him. Unleash these chains. But Scooby's like, nope, let's pull you back in and calm you down. So Scooby always did the right thing. And that's what you need to do with us, sons. You need to pull us back in and just remind us. And that's okay to do, autistic parents, because you can always do that with your child and help them. And that will help them in their future. And they'll know that my mom helped me and they'll know what to do what to do and they'll thank you in the later as time goes on now my thoughts of this series was i did not see much of this one i didn't like it and scrappy to me when he came in it was a little confusing i do not think this was not a good one at all so the rank i guess is a c minus it's one of my least favorites now the second one is scooby-doo and scrappy-doo the second series this is the fifth incarnation of scooby and i like the first series of scrappy and scooby the second series instead only focused on the the characters, Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy, who encounter actually instead of fake, real monsters like giants and like just like characters you see in a fairy tale. And they don't focus on those and they usually focus on those villains instead of the villains who hide under the mask. And my thoughts of that one is I'm not being able to see that one at all actually, but I wish I could due to it sounding so different and unique with whole new adventures of it and to see how different it is with a real monster instead of a masked monster. So the, my thoughts on that is a grade is a C plus and one of my middle favorites, and it could go higher if I can only see how it would really work. The next incarnation of Scooby-Doo is the new Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show. This is the fifth incarnation of Scooby-Doo, and for this franchise, Hanna-Barbera, according to Scooby-Doo, Hanna-Barbera to continue to combine the elements of the original Scooby-Doo Where Are You format and the Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show format. Each plot of the episode was Shaggy, Scooby-Doo, and Scrappy-Doo, and Daphne Lake, who was re-added, solving supernatural mysteries. Each half an hour program was made up of two episodes combined, and it was, they were 11 minutes each. My thoughts were I didn't like it. I think this one was just boring, and not many of them, when I watched them, were available, and there was not even really any good music. So my thoughts for this one is a great, it's a D+. It's not one of my, it's my least favorite. As far as the sixth one goes, this is called The New Scooby-Doo Mysteries. This is the sixth, like I said, and this 1984 version continued the Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo format, and as an added bonus, there were two six-part episodes. Like, there were, like, six parts of two episodes and, like, two of, of the episodes with either both or one of the original members of Mystery Inc. returning for an appearance. My thoughts? I think they definitely did better than the others. Like, they did better, like, the previous two. I think they did better than before. And it did have the catchiest intro, which I think you should check out at some point if you ever get a chance to. And these were way more enjoyable than the, the previous two series. I, it still wasn't not winning me over like the other, like Scooby-Doo Where Are You was. I liked it okay, and it was definitely better, though, than the previous one. So my grade for this one is a C. It's a, it's one of my middle favorites. Now, as far as the next series goes, it's... Oh, never mind. Looks like we got to explain some stuff here. So, the first thing that I like to talk about is a character 
named Flim Flam. Flim Flam is a born scammer and opportunist who knows how to crack up jokes more often than the rest of the gang did, like Scooby and Shaggy did. And he's a he's an opportunist. And just like me, I'm an opportunist, but a good type of opportunist. He wasn't a really good opportunist. He was like a bad opportunist. But anyway, I'm a good type of opportunist. And I want to take opportunities that come my way and seek out new thrills. Sometimes, though, that's not easy. But I'll do it anyway and persevere to get some good, gosh darn, opportunities. Now, the next character I want to introduce to you is the Vincent Van Gogh. He is a magician and a warlock who agrees to help Scooby and Shaggy in their ghost questing and to get all the ghosts into the next item, which is called the Chest of Demons. The Chest of Demons is a treasure chest that holds the 13 most scariest fears and ghosts of all time, and you would probably be have nightmares for the rest of your life if you saw what was in the Chest of Demons. Now, now we explain that. Let's. It's going to come on into the next incarnation, which is the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. This is the seventh incarnation of Scooby-Doo, and it ran for a half an hour. And while the main arc was introduced, it never finished. So to finish it, they did the most genius idea that I thought of, and they made a movie called Scooby and the Thirteenth Ghost, which I highly recommend. I haven't seen it, but I kind of want to. But anyway, I think it's a good movie. It sounds like a movie, and they had to catch the ghost and put him in the chest of demons. That was the main arc of the story. And my thoughts is I liked it and I didn't like it. I liked the idea and the concept, but I wish it would have done more. I said the 13, it should have been like the 30, the 20, the 50. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know the series came around forever, but I wish it would have done more than just 13 and go like a little higher. So my thoughts for that, it's a C. It's one of my middle favorites. Now the A incarnation, which is called a pup named Scooby-Doo. This is the eighth incarnation of Scooby-Doo. And according to Scoobypedia, Jenny Triads hired Tom Roger, who is considered the Scooby Guy, to develop a new series for ABC Saturday mornings. This show followed the format Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? They were referred to, instead of the Mystery Inc. or the gang, they referred to the Scooby-Doo Detective Agency, and they saw supernatural-based mystery, where the villains were either in masks or costumes. But the biggest difference was the tone. I mean, this is more like a child show, and the tone was more wacky and more, it was more of a comical version of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And the monsters were more comical, with a monster, with like a monster... Like, two examples of him, there was a monster, and he was made of mold and cheese. And there was a monster that he was supposed to be a headless skateboarder. The kids were even childish versions of themselves, too. Fred was, like, a tabid loving conspiracist who liked conspiracy theories. And Daphne was a rich girl who did not believe in ghosts. Uh, oh, brother, how many times to tell you? There's no such things as ghosts. And then Velma was a quiet, who only talked with finding, like, a big old clue. And then Shaggy and Scooby, they didn't change much. They were just a younger version of themselves. And also during the chases, chases, and also during the chases, instead of classic music being played, it was children's rock and roll music being played, which was kind of a plus for me. And my thoughts for this, the idea was good, but now I would like it if I was a four-year-old, but I'm 17. And I just want some classical Scooby-Doo. And it also connects me being myself because I did watch it, but however, you too have to be age-appropriate. And it's okay for me to watch classical Scooby-Doo, but not childish Scooby-Doo. I'm 17, and all of a sudden, I gotta look for the big thing stuff, or at least the middle big thing stuff, and not for the young thing stuff. So my grade for this is a C. It's one of my middle favorites. Now, let's go on to the ninth incarnation. The ninth incarnation is What's New Scooby-Doo? This is the ninth, like I said. This show follows the original format, and it's more in a realistic manner compared to the previous shows. My thoughts, I like it, but it's old news. You did it once, you don't need to do it again. So my thought... It's a C plus. It's one of my middle favorites as well. Now, as far as for the next incarnation, it was called I'm Goofy
Oh, well, we gotta explain some more stuff, I guess. So let's get to that, shall we? So the next thing I explain is I explain Agent 1 and Agent 2. Agents were working for another character named Dr. Phineas Fives. Agent 1 had some common sense, but Agent 2, he was just dumb. I mean, he was pick. I mean, his leader called him stupid, and he said, Thank you, sir! I mean, that's pretty stupid. I mean, he's being me, and he doesn't even realize it. So Agent 1 was a smart one and the one who, who had some common sense. But Agent 2, he was just dumb and was more of a goofball than a worker. The next guy I gotta mention is Dr. Phineas Five. He is an evil scientist who did not like Shining Screen. We even called him own dog and hippie boy. He was hot-tempered and arrogant to his agents, like me sometimes, or like me who was sophomore year. But this kind of taught me something, because people with autism can be hot-tempered, but it's not because they're beaming. They're not like going, ur, ur, bam. They're not being like, <laughs> they're not like that type. They're not like trying to punch you. They're just frustrated. They get frustrated easily, and it comes out as a hot-tempered butthole or like very angry and as an adult you either need to calm them down or just leave them alone to give them some space the next character is roby and when i mentioned with him oh man he's a great guy this is one of my favorite characters because he's a polite and robot servant who takes everything literally i mean one time they told roby hey can you go get the door okay he literally got the door and literally took it off its hinges he's like okay ruby roo i got the door and this is a reminds me of me because it's a prime behavior of someone who has autism because they take everything literally. They can't understand jokes or puns sometimes. And everything is black and white. There's not really no in between, which I'll maybe do an episode on in the future. But really, we got to keep it in between and get sometimes that everything. We can't take everything too literally and understand jokes or a pun every once in a while. Now, all these people that I mentioned were in Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. This is the 10th incarnation of Scooby-Doo. The premise of the show is Shaggy's rich uncle disappears all of a sudden. And according to his uncle named Al Albert Shaggleford, he made enemies before he disappeared. One of them was the evil genius Dr. Phineas Fives. Shaggy and Scooby had the mission, and that is to find and save Shaggy's uncle. And my thoughts? I think it was average, and it was good for what it was. And I just wish that the whole gang was in there, and because it really wasn't really like 3D-ish. I didn't think Scooby-Doo and 3D-ish made, made com combined really well. So my thought for that one, it's a C plus. It's one of my middle favorites. The next series is is the next series is great. Wait, dun dun dun. Oh, we gotta explain some more stuff here. All right, let's get down to it. So the next thing I explain is some characters here. So I explain Hot Dog Water. This is a frenemy of Velma, and her name is supposed, to, is supposed to come from smelling like water that is used to cook hot dogs. She is a no-sense type of girl and is very similar to Velma. The next person I got to mention is someone named Skip Shelton, or Skipper Shelton. He's the owner of the Clam Cabin, and he always makes inside jokes to Scooby-Doo, but Scooby-Doo never gets them, just like me. Like, I don't get puns sometimes, which I'm working on, but I'll get them eventually. And speaking of that, I got to mention the Clam Cabin. That is a fast food restaurant which stands on the beach of Crystal Cove and it serves old-fashioned seafood such as clams and clam cones and pizza. Then this comes, speaking of Crystal Cove, I explained that. That is the coastal town where they supposedly grew up and it's supposed to be a haunted city with legendary mantras that has attracted tourism. Now, the next guy who's encouraging, encouraging, encouraging the tourism which is Fred Jones Sr., the corrupt mayor and the story logical father of Fred Jones Jr. He is very selfish and a greedy mayor, and every time he saw a bizarre ghost in Crystal Cove, he used it as an opportunity to gain tourism, which would be a strain in Fred Jones' relationships. 
despite the strain, he did care for him. An example of this would be when he saved Fred Jones Jr. or Fred Jones from falling to death. When he was in prison, he actually helped the game and he apologized for what he did. Sometimes, depending on the situation, it's hard for us teams to apologize with autism. And when we do, we want to say we're right and we want to stick to it. We want to be it and never change, but we're not. And sometimes we know it. But it's very hard to change our mind, even, even if we know we may be wrong. The next person I should mention, or should I say mayor, is Mayor Janet Nettles. This is the second mayor, Crystal Crove. The second mayor, Crystal Cove. She is strong and capable, but cannot do it alone, and admits when she needs help. Unlike Fred Jones, sir, she was open to help Mystery Inc. And here's the deal I can't do it alone just like her. I need my resources, which includes my family, my peers, my teachers, my IEP. And I'm not afraid to use, I'm not afraid to do my resources. I'm not afraid to go down to a float pass to just go away and calm down. Anyone has helped me some small way. And they helped create Sam Mitchell. God didn't create me. They created me. Everyone has created me in some different way. And if you had the small plus part, that's a huge honor in my eyes because you made me. You made Sam and I'm repaying you. So if you made me, all I'm going to say to you is I'm going to bow to you like I'm doing right now and say thank you. The next person I need to mention is Sheriff Bronson Stone. Sheriff of Crystal Cove. He was with Fred Jones, sir, and did not like to help the gang. And didn't like the help of the gang or the mystery and would stop the kids from solving mysteries of Crystal Cove. So they didn't like, they didn't get along. So, but oh well, he did get along with them eventually. The next person is Angel Dynamite. She is the Elias of Cassie Williams, who hid her identity from everyone else, which I'll explain later. And Angel was a friend of Mystery Inc. And she was a diva. She hit. She had a passion for music and really cared about the kids. This is like me too. I love music and I deeply care about people who I know I like, but you have to win me over in order for me to get to like you. And I'm sure though I've had to win people too because I ain't the most nicest guy or the easiest guy along with sometimes. But I've had to win people over. They've had to win me over. So it's kind of a fair deal here. And then the next person is Cassidy Williams. She's a, for, a former member of Mystery, the original Mystery Incorporated. Due to, due to her giving away the scheme of Mystery 20 years ago, the rest of the members covered it up with the newspapers. And when she told the game, she lost their trust. Until they went with her on an underwater mission and she sacrificed herself for the gang. Now the next person that I need to mention is Brad Childs. He's the, he is the leader of the original Mystery Inc. He thanked Judy, his wife, every time she spoke and really did care about his wife. But however, after Fred Jones Jr. discovered selfishness and his alliance with the original Mystery Inc., he abandoned him, just like his other, like Fred Jones Sir did. And Fred Jones Jr. was left with no father. So I think that was one of his biggest obstacles he had to come with no father, but he did. And he tried not to be, and it's like me too. I try not to be selfish, but sometimes I am. I, and my issue, and I will never stop this, I think, due to me, autism. I think of myself only when it comes to something I love. Like, I don't think of myself when it comes to my podcasting, I'll be honest with you. And that's hard for me, but I'll overcome it someday. But I think I can do it. And then Judy Reeves, she is the former member of Original Mystery, Inc. and the biological mother of Fred Jones Jr. And was very similar to Brad Childs and also abandoned Fred Jones Jr. And then we get to the sinister, Mr. E. He is a former anonymous person who helped Mystery, Inc., he was a sinister and also larger than life, and even though he did help them, he did eventually betray them, helped out his evil friend, but when his friend began committing dangerous crimes, he wanted to stop him, but he was only betrayed by his original friends and became a powerless servant. He also truly cared for Cassidy, and he was sad when he learned she was dead. And as time went on, he regretted everything he did to the gang and his original gang, former members of the original Mystery Incorporated, too. And in general, I want to help, and it's like me too, because I want to help people, but I want to do it anonymously sometimes and not people let people know about it. 
Because like they say, your true character comes when no one's looking, and they do mean it because I've done that before. The next person I want to mention is Professor Pericles. He's a parrot and former mascot of the original Mission Incorporated. He is an intellectual, menacing, crazy, manipulative, and unsympathetic and calculated and violent and power-hungry bird who he proclaims as the self-proclaimed smartest criminal parrot in the world. And no matter what or who is in the, his way, he will remove him. And he can do magic. He is a brilliant chemist and mechanic. And it's like us, because no matter what is in our way, we try to remove. But if we're too determined, you, we could hurt people, and we don't want to hurt anyone. But we're so determined that we get caught up in the moment. Now, let's talk about the series. I think we've had enough characters. So, this is, that was the last Goofy Goober Bell, by the way. So, just FYI. So... Now let's, do, let's get to talking. So, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. This is the 11th incarnation of Scooby-Doo. The main plot is the four teens who, are grow, who grow up instead of in Crystal Cove, instead of Coolsville, solve mysteries. But the town actually wants to go because the town has a long history of monsters and it grows tourism, like I said, for them, which causes the gang and Fred Jones here to have strains on the gang and themselves. But while solving them, they also solve the story of the unknown truth of Crystal Cove, which I'm not going to tell you because I want you guys to watch it figure it out. But in, it also, just there are romances actually in the group. Rawr, really? Oh well, rawr. But anyway, Fred and Daphne were an item, like, and then broke up and then came back. But then Velma and Shaggy dated, but then broke up. And my thoughts: the story and the characters were perfect, and this was a great show. And definitely, someone should tune into it because it does keep you attached for some odd reason, and it might give you a nightmare or two because it definitely did me. So that's a little embarrassing thing. But anyway. I like things with twists and needs to stay classy because Scooby-Doo, that was the classy Scooby-Doo, where are you? But it had a twist to it and it was the right twist this time. So my grade, it's an A+. That's my favorite. And that's not going to change. My favorite. Now, the final one that I can only talk about is Be Cool Scooby-Doo. It's a 12th incarnation, which was on Cartoon Network, that moved to Boomerang. This is about the gang solving classical mysteries with modern twists in them. With one last summer of high school being over and they hit the road for the adventures. And I like adventures too, just like they do. And my thoughts, it was old and dull, and it with not many and much storyline like the others, so, and it didn't have anything good. So mine, it's a C minus. I and I have not looked at Scooby Doo, Guess Who, nor the movies, but with time going on, I will make sure to look at them. But it didn't have just films. It had the the series. It also had specials, telefilms, and theoretical films, and I haven't got to watch, but I will when I get there, and I promise you, I will. Now. I also ranked the Scooby-Doo um, series, like, from least to middle. This is the order I came up with. So, 13, Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo first series. The new Scooby-Doo movies. The new Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show. Be Cool Scooby-Doo. Shaggy and Scooby-Doo get a clue. Scooby and Scrappy-Doo the second series. New Scooby-Doo mysteries. A ghost name. A, the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo. A pup named Scooby-Doo. What's new, Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Doo, where are you? The Scooby-Doo show. And Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Now... Have you noticed something? This podcast is very detailed and logical. That's my brain. I pay attention to every detail of things and that I'm, that I'm interested in, just like the gang does. Just like this whole thing. Just like the grading I did. I might even have a photographic memory, you could say. And just to, su- just to show you, I want you to maybe start over and look how detailed the rest of this podcast is. Or continue on, even. If you want to wait and then go back. I mean, do what you want, but that's just my opinion. Do what you wish. Now, the final thing I want to tell you is now I got something a little fun for you. Guess what? It's project time. And here's what you do if you're bored or just interested in scripts. Now that you listen to this podcast episode, I want you to get a blank sheet of paper and I want you to make a Scooby-Doo episode of your own. The requirements of it has to have a plot, which includes a mystery machine breaking down, 
and arriving at a vacated property, or the gang arriving at their intentional intentional destination. The gang splitting up, and one group finds ghosts, while the other finds clues, and it has them all a trap, and whether it works or not. And then the meddling kids quote it has them all a villain, which can be real or fake. All of the gang, which means Fred, Velma, Daphne, Shaggy, and Scream, must be in the episode. They must be supporting characters, or like the people who you think are the suspects. The locations they go, the suspects before and after, and the reason, and the episode title. Now, don't worry, I'm not mean. I'll help you out a little bit. I actually made my own. So the title is called Scoob the Herd. The villain is Sheep Herder, Eric Colamas. The plot is the gang child is Santa Cruz, but their tires break down, and they're passing a weird country part in South America. And the gang knock on a farmer's door who's by the name of Derek Dahama and lets them stay and warns them about the sheep herder. And the gang volunteers to help, and they all stay together and start searching for clues. They first look in the bar where they find corn. Then Shaggy takes a bite because he's hungry but spits it out, and it's instead nuts and bolts. The gang then checks out the garden shed, and they find a water pail with oil in it. And the gang gets dumped down, and it's like, huh? The gang then decides to split with Fred and the girls checking the rest of the place, while Shaggy and Scooby check out in the valleys. Fred and the girls find a man named Robert Guam, and he directs them in the outhouse. And they thank him, and they go and check it out and find newspapers with Sheep Herder and Derek Tahama in it. And the kids go and warn them. Meanwhile, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo find nothing but corn, and a man named Eric Kalamas, who just shoots at them because they're trespassing. He gets them out there, and they do, and then all the kids meet up back in the barn and decide to solve it this in the morning. But the sheep herder goes for Scooby and chase and a chase ensues and they lose him and they start brainstorming until Scooby sits on hot coal, which no one then studies, and they solve the mystery actually when he does that. Then the gang of course has to set up a trap and of course guess who the bait is? Scooby Doo and the trap is also with his with um, butt being stuck with super glue. And then they get him and they unmask the sheep herder. And it turns out to be Eric Kalamas, which the kids do not understand it, until the police say that his real name is Ari Mulasses. Then the kids figure it out. Fred says that he cleared his name in the cornfield and let him in the hole. I've got to change his boots, which had oil on them, and he hid that in the garden pail. And he knew if the cops came, Derek would know due to him having a history of Mulasses. So he found the newspaper and hid it in the outhouse. So the suspect was Derek Tahama at first to have it all to himself, and Eric Kalamas was after to have a free name. The locations were the Tahama Farmhouse. The outhouse garden. I'm sorry. The Dahama farm. The outhouse. The garden. The shed. The valleys. And then the Dahama cornfield. So those. that's how the project's going to work. If you send that, I will give you a shout out. Slash your name could be in the drawing for the shirt. In conclusion, Scooby-Doo is one of my favorite shows. And even though I am 17 years old, I am always going to be a child at heart. And I still will. And I will never leave that trait of mine. So basically, here's the moral to my podcast. Always be yourself. No matter what anyone says. Well, that'll be all for us today. Help you learn something about Scooby-Doo, and I want you right now to go watch an episode of Scooby-Doo and enjoy it, and maybe even go make an episode of yourself. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much.